0: good morning everyone and welcome to our beautiful temple of light at ananda village we're very glad you could join us this morning and we hope that amidst all of the confusion and turmoil in the world around us you still have the grace to find a place of peace and joy within yourself and certainly coming together For satsangs and services such as these, it helps us to do so. So we have a wonderful topic, as usual, this morning from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. Our topic is First Things First. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Parmhansa Yogananda. That expression, first things first, is a piece of counsel often given to students of business techniques. It is the advice of practicality to those who aspire to worldly success. But according to the Hermetic doctrine, as above, so below, that which works in one level of life is often the best guide to what will work best on every other level. If a person is true to his highest priorities, he will generally find that his other needs are fulfilled naturally as well. This is true certainly of the search for God. One of the greatest sayings of Jesus Christ was this simple sentence, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, Chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paramahansa Yogananda gave his elder brother Ananta a wonderful lesson in this truth. It was Ananta who had captured him and brought him back from his flight to the Himalayas described by Yogananda in Autobiography of a Yogi. In Yogananda's book we read how Ananta later challenged him in the city of Agra to pit his divine faith against such practical worldly considerations as the need for earning a living. Fearless before that challenge, the young aspirant (laughs) agreed to go by train without any money, to the nearby town of Brindaban, not to miss a single meal in Brindaban, and to find his way back to Agra without begging and without in any way asking for help. In one of the most thrilling chapters in the book, Yogananda fulfilled all the conditions of the test. Yogananda continued the account, quote, As the tale was unfolded, My brother turned sober, then solemn. The law of demand and supply reaches into subtler realms than I had supposed. Ananta spoke with a spiritual enthusiasm never before noticeable. I understand for the first time your indifference to the vaults and vulgar accumulations of this world. Late as it was, my brother insisted that he receive diksha, initiation, into Kriya Yoga, quote. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the ninth chapter, those who worship lesser gods go to their gods, but those who worship me come to me. Thus, through holy scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Aum. Aum.
1: Aum.
2: Good morning. I too want to welcome everyone to Sunday service. It's a very, very interesting topic today. Let me start by reading this beautiful prayer demand by Master from Whispers from Eternity. Keep the needle of my compass of my attention ever pointing toward thee. Whether soaring through the sky encased in a steel air cage, or drawn o'er land by snorting iron steeds, or moving easily over smooth highways on rubber wheels, or having my very thoughts paralyzed by the pounding din of assembly lines, the compass of my needle will ever keep turning toward my magnetic north pole of divine love. Isn't that a beautiful image? Beaten by winds of happenstance, drenched by cloud bursts of misery, sucked down in the mud of soul-enmeshing, ego-whipped activity, or wandering lost in the jungles of confusion, my mind will yet ever reach out for thy guiding touch. The raft of my life, tossed about helplessly by the driving storms of need, was drifting toward rocks of insatiable desires. O pole star in our wisdom skies, thy twinkling light beckoned and directed me toward thy shores of eternal contentment. Through cloudless, countless mechanisms pound, twist or stretch my anguished nerves, yet will the homing pigeon of my love wing its way peacefully toward its true home in thee. This statement of that of today's service seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, as Swami pointed out in the reading it's certainly one of the most famous statements of and most important statements of Jesus in the Bible but I suspect also it is one of the most misunderstood statements. So let's delve into that a little bit more. First of all, let's take the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, the kingdom of God is not a place. Let me use this illustration. Just for a moment, close your eyes and try to visualize being in a room. And in the room, there's a desk with papers on it. Typical office scene. Sitting at the desk is a woman, older woman with kind of a cardigan on, white and red cardigan sweater. And overhead is a simple chandelier okay picture that as well as you can in your mind okay so the reason I chose that image is because last night I had a dream and I was in a room like that and it was a bank office I don't know why exactly I had to go to a bank office in my dream but I did now as I tried to picture it here it was fuzzy in the dream it was absolutely clear and i was enmeshed. there was no question about is this really a desk what are the pa-? i just saw everything as we do in a dream so what is the difference between our imagination or visualization like this and a dream well master explains it he says simply that in a dream at the sleep state our energy of the senses and the outgoing energy is withdrawn into the central spine and in the brain. And because there's more energy in the brain, our thoughts become very clear. So, this is the subconscious state of dreaming. But the problem with sleeping and having the energy withdrawn like that is that Master called that in the deep sleep state where we're completely withdrawn and completely centered he called it counterfeit samadhi, because in samadhi also our energy is withdrawn. But a sleep state is counterfeit because we aren't aware of the fact that that's the state that we're in. A dream, we're more or less aware of the dream that we're in, but we aren't aware that it's a dream. It just is there. It's a state of consciousness, a level of consciousness so the kingdom of God is not a place any more than in that dream if I had been trying to find the state of wakefulness I wouldn't have picked up an atlas to look at where is the state of wakefulness is it near the state of North Carolina or the you know I would have understood I hope that the state of awareness the level of awareness of wakefulness is simply a different level of energy of my consciousness and so the kingdom of God is simply a different level of energy a different vibration it isn't a place it's within us around us everywhere but we don't perceive it because we don't have enough energy in our consciousness in our brain So part of the whole process of meditation is to withdraw the energy from the senses and from the outgoing uh, flow and to bring it up to the brain, but especially to the higher centers that the brain represents. And if we can do that successfully, that high energy state will bring us into superconsciousness <clears throat> now superconsciousness is kind of a combination of the wakeful state and subconscious dreaming because we have withdrawn the energy in sleep but we're still aware we're still awake and therefore what we perceive in superconsciousness we perceive with the clarity of a dream Or of imagination but I mean of a dream but whatever we have a a direction toward it so we direct that that and the higher the state of consciousness goes the more power that energy has so that Sri Yukteswar as you probably remember the chapter in the autobiography of a yogi where after his death Shri Akdeshwar manifested to master, and master touched him and felt him, and Shri Akdeshwar kind of chuckled and said, "Yes, it's a real form. It's just as real as the room that you're in, the bed that you're sitting on." And so on. So Shri Akdeshwar manifested himself. In reality, just as we see and feel and touch something, in uh waking reality, but there's a very interesting uh kind of next part, and most people miss it, I did, and until I read it a little more carefully, and that's the that Sri Deshwar says to Master any time that you're in a state of nirbikalpa samadhi and call upon me i will manifest to you in reality just as i did today and so what he's saying is that this whole level of reality the level the kingdom of spirit is available to us but available only as we raise our consciousness so the kingdom of God is already within us. Now, the, the sta- statement of Jesus begins by saying, first of all, seek that state of consciousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So if we seek that first, then everything else automatically begins to unfold for us that's why master told this story about the trip to brindavan because the skeptical mind the mind that's in the waking state that has not yet been elevated feels this world is real that world is pretend and therefore we can't just pretend our way to material wealth We have to get a job. We have to work hard. We have to um, manifest a paycheck, bring it home, put it in the bank, all of those things. And Master took up the challenge of his brother saying, no, that's not right. The law of demand and reward reaches into subtler realms. And in fact, if you live in those subtler realms, you don't need to go to work and earn a paycheck because things will automatically come to you assuming, this is the key here, assuming that your energy is seeking God or is unified to God or is uplifted. It won't work if you just think, uh, oh, that's an easy way of... Of um, getting rich I'll, I'll just have God manifest it all for me that won't work because you're in the thought of I want to do this in order to get rich your energy is and your consciousness is debased and you're not functioning at a high enough vibration to work these laws that are universal laws but master was and so in that state of consciousness he first kept his mind on God and then everything began to mass uh, to manifest for him so seek ye first be first in that uplifted consciousness and then everything else will manifest for thee which brings us to the last part seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, Swami goes into this, in and Master, in many ways. But what do we want added unto us? See, Master says that wherever we put our energy, wherever we put our thoughts, our focus, whatever we want, whatever we focus on, that's what we're worshiping. And so if you're constantly thinking about money, then you're worshiping money. If you're thinking about health, you're working, you're worshiping health. and so on. Anything that you focus your energy on is where your energy will flow, and that creates a magnetism. Swami says that uh, for instance, if you focus on art, or focus on business, you can go into a town. If you focused on art, you will all of a sudden start meeting other artists in that town. If you focus on business, you'll meet other businessmen. If you focus on crime, you'll meet other criminals. And so on. Your attraction, your energy force field, will attract to you the same vibrational level. As what you're worshiping and so if that law is true that the law of magnetism the flow of energy creates a magnetic vortex then that magnetic vortex attracts to us all of the things that we've focused on so seek ye first the kingdom of God so if our worship is the kingdom of God or the state of consciousness, if that's where we're focused, that's the primary thrust of our life, then these other things will be will begin to attract them. And there are many stories that uh, Master tells. He told this story in the autobiography. But um, with that kind of energy flow focus on God then faith starts happening Swami says says that faith is not mere belief faith is the knowing the inner experience of God's presence within and Jesus says in the Bible that if you had the faith of a mustard seed meaning a tiny bit of faith if you really knew the presence of God you could move mountains. And so move mountains well I don't know that that's very useful but um I suppose it is if you're a construction person and or you want a better view I suppose a, a moving mountain could be pretty handy then. But for most of us that's not not where we're wanting something but a lot of us I don't know, want to be protected. And so there's a story of Master about protection. He was with some boys from, I assume, from his raunchy school. Anyway, they were out in the forest. They had to stop for a night, and they were being driven by a bullock cart, and the two uh, cows, the two bullocks, were in a kind of outdoor area, and in the middle, late at night, they heard the roaring of a tiger outside. And so, Master Swami tells this story beautifully in his play, um, Jewel and the Lotus. At any rate, Master asked the driver, "Didn't you shut the stall, the the gates?" He said, "No, I forgot." And Master then asked, "If anyone wants to come with him out to close the the gates of the shed?" And he says, of course, there were no volunteers. So neither the boys nor the, the uh, uh, bullock driver, the cart driver, uh, were eager to go out into this clearing with the tiger. But Master went out, and he looked with great love at that tiger. And the tiger came over and rolled at his feet, and Master scratched his belly a little bit, and then the tiger got up and wandered off into the, into the forest again. Now, don't try this at home, as they say, because unless you can see God is the only thing there, just that God has taken the form of the tiger, then the tiger won't respond to that in the same way. He'll still think he's a tiger. But if you impress on your mind sufficiently to impress on the mind of the tiger that he's simply God and everything is God, then you can play with him. Master uh Sri Yukteswar, a cobra came in and he had it come over and he was clapping his hands and everybody was frightened and he was just playing with the cobra. So I guess for us, playing with cobras and tigers too is not very... Um, important or useful. But what about playing with virus? What about playing with COVID? What about playing... See, if we see, if we can hold onto the thought that it is God in those forms, it is only God, then everything just kind of works out magically. You don't have to put out the effort. You don't have to try things. There's a beautiful story that I've told before, but of Vivekananda. When he was young, he was just a teenager, 18 or so, he was already a disciple of the great master uh, Ramakrishna. And at one point, when he was 18 or so, his father died suddenly. And all of a sudden, he was the oldest child, and the support of his family depended on him. Well, his father had been a successful businessman, and Vivekananda went to try to find a job to support his family, his mother and siblings, widowed mother, and he couldn't find a job. He said he walked so long and so many miles that his shoes had holes in them. And he would go to um, former partners or people who had... Uh, borrowed money from his father. They all kind of pushed him away and disowned him. Now, they, they wouldn't follow through on the promises. And finally, in despair, he went to Ramakrishna, and he said, can you help me? And he said to Ramakrishna, I know every night you speak with the Divine Mother. Tonight, when you speak with her, will you ask her to help me find a job? And in the morning, he eagerly went to Ramakrishna and said, Did you see Divine Mother? Oh, yes. Did you ask her about my job? Oh, I forgot. Well, this went on a couple more days. Did you see Divine Mother? Yes. Did you ask her about my job? No, I forgot. And finally, uh, Vivekananda was a little upset. And so Ramakrishna said, Well, tonight I'll give you the power to see Divine Mother, and you ask her for a job. And sure enough, that night in sleep, Divine Mother manifested and came to Vivekananda. And in the morning, Ramakrishna asked him, did you see Divine Mother last night? Oh, yes, sir, I saw her. Did you ask her for a job? Oh, no, sir, I forgot. Well, in that high state, you don't think about Can I get gold? Can I get jobs? Can I get uh, fame? Can I get health? You just are enveloped in that beautiful vibration. But the sequel to that story, the other part, is that a devotee, a wealthy devotee of Ramakrishna, heard about Vivekananda's dilemma and offered to support the family from that time on. They were taken care of. So seek ye first the kingdom of God. And God will provide all of these things that you're seeking. I'm going to tell a story that I don't tell or haven't told very often. um, And I don't tell it because I don't want people to misunderstand it. So I'll explain it a little more carefully. It's a story about a Chintamani stone. Now, <clears throat> in the autobiography, there is a mention of Chintamani stone in this same story where he goes to Brindaban. Remember that a young man came to Master and, and said, I saw you in a dream or in a vision last night, and you're my guru, and Master accepts him and initiates him into Kriya Yoga and in that he says from now on Kriya Yoga will be your Chintamani stone so Chintamani stone is a a, a stone that was supposed to be at Shangri-La and being at Shangrila, la the Chintamani stone the legend has it that it comes from a planet in the Pleiades That perhaps the planet exploded or whatever and after billions of years fragments of that came to earth and landed on earth and so um, the Chintamani stone is supposed to have perhaps that planet was a a much higher we're in a rajasic planet in a rajasic part of a rajasic galaxy but maybe the planet that the Chintamani stones came from was more spiritualized at any rate the legend has it that this these stones then came to earth and at Shangri-La there's supposed to be a very large Chintamani stone which is why Shangri-La is um, considered special and, and people seek it so having that background now comes the next part of the story as many of you know, Davy and I, uh, three years ago or so, were given in New York the Global Ambassador of Peace Award from, uh, at the UN uh, by a, an agency there. And this is why I, I want you to understand this story a little more carefully. See, that award was not really for Davy and me it was for Ananda and it was not really for Ananda it was for Ananda being a voice or a carrier wave for masters teachings to go out into the world and so just as master when he spoke at um, Carnegie Hall in order to project his voice there were amplifiers so that award acts as a kind of amplifier for because Davy and I have been seeking the kingdom of God seeking the kingdom of Master, seeking to serve master and so that award was given because it helps kinda of amplify that message gives credence to it okay the next part of the story is that during that same trip we went to a museum of Nicholas Rorick, rorick and it's a beautiful museum in a kind of victorian house and each room he's a very mystical wonderful painter and he painted many many scenes of the himalayas and uh, of mountains in india and tibet and so on and so we were there because we knew about his art and have always loved it and we wanted to see it and so we met the went there with the uh people of the meditation group in New York. And there were a group of eight or nine of us. Well, while we were there, all of a sudden, two other members of that same meditation group, the Ananda Meditation Group, came in. And with them, there was a man who was a high shaman from Peru. And he had been in New York giving a series of lectures and they were hosting him and he wanted to come to see the Rorick Museum but he wanted to come not because he was interested in Rorik's art. He was interested in the fact that Rorik and his wife had spent years searching for Shangri-La and searching for the Chintamani Stone and it turns out that in Peru is part of the, I guess, Incan religion. Um, I'm not sure whether it was the Incas or uh, whatever. A- anyway, um, there are Chintama actual Chintamani stones in Peru, and they're considered sacred. And so what, what I'm talking about here is the fact that when you're seeking God, seeking the kingdom of god then that energy attracts to you people and circumstances and whatever will help you in that and so this man we were introduced and we immediately hit it off and we were over on the side of the room just talking together for about 10 minutes and others were looking at paintings and doing their things but there was this immediate sense of connection. And after about 10 minutes, he said, you know, I have—I feel to give you a gift. And in his pocket, he had a little stone, a Chintamani stone, which are found in in this part of Peru and are considered sacred. And so he gave me that. And part of the legend of the Chintamani stone is that like a microphone, it acts as an amplifier, but an amplifier of spiritual energy, which is why Shangri-La is seen as a sacred place, because its aura coming from that reaches out and is a protective aura. And so he gave me that, and in fact, I then put it on a, uh, a chain, and I wear it around my neck, from that day on, because it was uh, uh, it, I feel that it came from from God in the same way that the ambassador of Peace award came to help kind of act as an amplifier for Davy and my service to Master and to this path, and so um, the legend is is if you have it near your heart then it helps to amplify that energy now as i say i don't tell this story often because i don't want it seen as oh isn't that wonderful oh the magical stone oh it is only god and the only importance that it has is that if you understand that everything is god and if you keep that in your mind then all these things, people, circumstances, the means to do what you're trying to do, everything will be added unto you. But if you seek those things for themselves, then that is what Swami was referring to in the Gita. Seeking those things, you're seeking, you're worshipping lesser gods. You're worshipping the god of wealth, or the god of health, or the god of fame, or those those lesser gods if you worship those lesser gods you'll go to them if you worship the high god the kingdom of god the true lord then your consciousness will go to him and so see everything and all circumstances as your as just veils of the one god and his energy is the only thing. And if you seek that and live in that vibration, then all these things that you're otherwise seeking will be added unto you. But most of all, what will be added unto you is the consciousness of God. And that is the only thing worth seeking. God bless you.
1: Listen, listen, whispering within your soul Hints of laughter, hints of joy Sweet songs of sadness, of quenchless year So long, you've toyed with mirror shadows of the treasures left behind you. Deep in your soul, long you've plumbed the dark for answers. Long you've begged from beggars, empty hands, gifts of life. They too were seen. Gifts none could share. Friend, how long will you wander? Friend, as long as you seek your home in a land where all are strangers, love locks her door. Leave to the weak his grace. The coward, leave his dreaming. Oh my saints, wake up, reclaim the light. Seek the truth behind all seeming. Leave to the weak his craven life. To the coward, leave his dreaming. Oh my saints, wake up. Reclaim the light, seek the truth behind all seeming. Turn, turn, turn within in silence of soul in care.